right, guys, we're back for another week of the Wrecking Crew podcast. Me, your co-host, Will Dodd. Noah Thrower over here. And Noah Thrower. We just uh, hope y'all enjoy this week. We've got Tim from Bowhunter Planet on. Uh, we talk a little bit about everything. We talk about what Bowhunter Planet's all about, what they do, how, how things got started there. But we end up off a little bit of everything. So I hope y'all enjoy it. And uh, remember, the podcast is brought to you by Three Rivers Coffee Company. Check them out. And they got a lot of good coffee without a doubt. Oh, man, and it's real here, Go check them out. Give them some live likes on Facebook. Uh, they're veteran-owned. And uh, they're like us, just good old boys, outdoorsmen. And we hope to have him on the podcast pretty soon. So y'all enjoy it. All right, guys, uh, we've got Tim with uh, Bowhunter Planet on with us tonight, and uh, we're just going to let him kind of take it away. On, uh, I know one, some of y'all are wondering what is Bowhunter Planet, what are they all about, Well, he's got the guy that can tell you everything. So, Tim? Yeah, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's a great opportunity to, to talk to you guys tonight. Thank you for having us on. So. Um, really excited to talk bow hunter planet hunting and uh, whatever else you guys want to talk about. Um, you know, will be will be a fun night tonight. So, um, so the so answer it kind of in a nutshell, bow hunter planet. We kind of think of it as a community. So, well, what we what we're really trying to do is, is bring a network together in the bow hunting community that really gets the products in touch with the people, the people in touch with the products, the people in touch with the people, and just really drive a community with the bull, within the bow hunter industry and hunting industry in general, um, really to help keep the heritage going, to help bring kids into it, and really just provide a site, um, you know, multiple sites, social media sites, and all that kind of stuff, so people can get together and really share their experiences, help come along others, and uh, build them up within the industry, and then always the fun part, testing out products and, uh, you know, looking at all the new technologies coming on board. So when, when we look at Bowhunter Planet, it's not really just one thing. We do a lot um, under the Bowhunter Planet umbrella. We've been around for, for quite a while, and really our main our main points for uh, what we do is our, our test lab additions on, on YouTube. So on YouTube, you can find us and we go out there and we work with a lot of the different companies in the industry in regards to new technology, the new bows coming out, the new crossbows, the new accessories, you name it. And uh, what we're really trying to do is help bring their product to the market for, you know, to, to our community of people and give their product a nice, honest review um, in regards to what it does, you know, the, the new technologies that are coming out to give our, our people an idea of what they can look for out there. Um, you know, when they're going in to shop for a new bow, when they're going in or they want to get into hunting, what they should be looking at or different things that they should be evaluating when they're picking up their equipment for the first time. So in addition to that, we, we do um, a lot of industry type of marketing. So a lot of times we'll be out there doing photo shoots and a lot of other stuff with the industry. Um, you know, we hunt ourselves. So this time of year is always exciting for us. And uh, we, we also do a, a podcast as well 
which is really focused uh, specifically on just the archery industry. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but we get a little sideways sometimes on some of the topics. So, you know, we've been into conspiracy theories and a whole bunch of craziness on some of our podcasts, but, it, but it's quite a fun time when you get a bunch of like-minded people together and you start, uh, you know, just, just talking honestly to each other. Uh, oh, yeah, because we, we run a deer process and taxidermy business also, so it kind of... When when things change or something, we we can get on them rants and uh, we get way off subject. Oh, yeah. We don't even know where we started. Half the time. Ooh, we, we'll start getting on a rant, and I don't know where it went and what happened, but that's where we end up with with the podcast at times. So yeah, nine times out of ten, that's us. We'll, we'll have a topic in mind, and we might talk about it for about one minute out of the you know thirty to forty minutes that we run, and at the end of it, we're like, what? Where did we go? We don't we don't even know anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that sounds pretty awesome what y'all are doing, uh, especially on the bringing new hunters in. That's, that should be, uh, as a conservation and as an outdoorsman, that should be what we're all are geared towards is sharing our passion with outdoors with others. And uh, y'all being about archery hunting, that's that's our passion. And being a deer processor, and we're located here in Alabama. Uh, that that's the old, really the only, the only time we, time get, to we hunt. get to hunt as far as deer or whitetail goes. So, and even when we want to do something else, we have to schedule it around our rifle season because we're so busy during that time. So, and that's one thing that caught my eye there. We all, I was looking at y'all's website and see, seeing what all y'all got going on. So, yeah, no doubt we, we call those uh, positive problems, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Because uh, if it wasn't for some of that being so busy, we wouldn't get to do what we we love. Even though it takes away for some what we really, I, I guess, our true passion is. But we get to do some things that we never thought we would get to do in a lifetime. I guess. So. Yeah, it, it really is awesome. You know, just the experience you get from interacting with, like I said, other other like-minded people. Um, you know, it's rare, especially this year, right? We have we have COVID. 2020 everybody's quarantined nobody's allowed out so you know to have communities like this where you can go and share ideas and have forums and, and all that kind of stuff where people can go and just get together and talk about things especially this time of year has just you know it, it, it holds me up at times where you need it you know yes and that, that's that's what we were talking with uh keenan uh our kenyan Bankston with Southern Boys Outdoors last week and was the, the outdoor industry and community as a whole coming together like we're all, most of us are 99% of us are all just good old boys uh, that love what we're doing and that so having that community no matter who you are in the outdoor industry being able to come together and work towards one goal and communicate like you said like-minded people we all think alike, and we we all like so we like something that one of each of us have in common. Yeah, yeah, you got it, man. You hit it right on the head. I mean, to be able to to work with some of the people in the industry, and to be able to throw around ideas, and, you know, just just to be able to talk to other people, um, you know, about what you love and your passion. I mean, I, I love talking about hunting, right? It's 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 one of my biggest passions in life, and uh, to be able to do that on an ongoing basis with, with a lot of different people in the industry is just such an amazing experience. So we try to bring that to, 
to everybody. So yeah, we, you know, we, we do the podcast, but a lot of the other stuff that we do is really trying to just drive conversation, bring people together, um, you know, within the bow hunting community, we, we run a, uh, a, a team BHP is what we call it. And that, that team BHP is really just a, a public group, um, on Facebook where we just have people come in and join the group to be able to share stories, experiences, ask questions, um, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we give them some pretty good perks. We run some good, you know, giveaways from time to time and all that kind of stuff. But really the goal is to just have a more knit community. I, I don't know, you know, about Alabama and, and how things are going down there from like a hunting community standpoint, but up here in Michigan, where we're from, you know, we've seen a decline in the number of hunters over, you know, the last 10 years. So that that's something that we really feel close to our heart, really trying to keep that heritage alive. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a big part of my life now. It wasn't growing up, but it's a big part of my life now. And, you know, seeing my kids grow up in that and the excitement that they have to be in the outdoors is absolutely just one of the most amazing experiences out there. Well, you bring up a good topic of the decline of hunters, and uh, we hear it. And that's uh, I'm an ag teacher uh, at a high school, and I'm a hunter's ed instructor, and we, we that's incorporated in our program here. But we, we talk about that, that and we're, we're in rural Alabama. Uh, so most of our kids, even if they ain't hunting as a kid, they've been brought up that somebody in their family does hunt and uh are they being hunting they might not do it on a regular basis and that but bringing that but i do hear it from the state level that we have a decline every year we're declining in hunters and a lot of people don't realize that because we are we're in a rural area and most people do hunt but what about these people that move have to move into a more suburban area and they're maybe they didn't move into a suburban area because Lord knows I'd hunt in a suburban area, but uh, if they allow it, but if um, if if their jobs just taken away and they just didn't buy their license this year, and that, and may, maybe just and they think that maybe going on a hunt if they ain't got the time to put in for their own property, and they they don't see that maybe going on a hunt is maybe feasible for them and their budget. Where truthfully, it, it may be more feasible than they think, but it ain't been brought to their attention, and yeah. and maybe they just spend three days of their vacation time at that, or a three day weekend they have on a holiday weekend going there to do that. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my experience is I'm a city boy. You know, I just grow up in the city, born in the city suburbs anyway, and uh, you know, hunting wasn't a major part of my life until. You know, into college, and, and actually, one of our, one, the, the, our, my, our co-founder, Dave Thomas, actually was the one that got me into hunting. And uh, I was always attracted to the outdoors. You know, growing up, getting outside, and feeling how tiny you are in the big universe that our good Lord created. You know, always attracted me to the outdoors. I was more of a fisherman than anything else, and probably more so a fisherman than anything else due to the ease of that type of sport in my area. Right. Yeah. There's more opportunities to go fishing and all that kind of stuff because the, the hunting hunting community as a whole, I, I think, has come to realize it, it's it's not an easy task, you know, to find a property to hunt, to go out there, to, to dedicate the time to be successful at it takes a lot more time 
than, you know, throwing a fishing pole in the back of your car at any given day and heading out to the local river or lake to be able to, you know, hone your skills doing it that way. So it's, uh, it's been an amazing experience really getting into the hunting world. Um, you know, from my perspective, I've only been hunting for about 10 years now. The other owners and founders uh, of Bow Hunter Planet, they've been hunting their whole life, so I kind of come in with a totally unique perspective. And and for me, I always get way more passionate in the conversations when we talk about new hunting, how to get into it, what, and, and, and just the basics, right? What equipment should you be looking for? If you got 300 bucks and you want to get into hunting, what is your first buy? What are you looking at? What do you absolutely need? So we love those budget conversations around, you know, what you can do with a budget. We love those conversations of how do you really get started in the, uh, in the industry. So, you know, that, that's really, you know, hopefully, hopefully how we come across and, and how we can help support the community of hunters, not only in Michigan, but we, you know, obviously we reach out to the rest of the country as well with our, with our viewership and everything. Well, that, that's pretty, uh, pretty straightforward and like, like I said that's that's something that um, a lot I think a lot more people in, in the industry and in just everyday life needs to look at it like take it taking that opportunity it might it ain't got to be just a kid taking that opportunity to try to get some like you said the the fishing even here fishing is a lot easier to get into than hunting hunting cost I can go buy a $20 rod and reel <laughs> and uh, start fishing. Yeah. Uh, and I can go down to the riverbank and fish. I can go to the farm pond and fish. Uh, but hunting costs, and, and you brought up the $300 things, and I think back to uh, being on an archery team and, and having other kids that they wouldn't brought up in it, but they wanted to be on that archery team. And that that was with their budget for a bow, and we finding something to set them up for three hundred dollars, and get them to shooting, and uh, enjoying it, and being out there whether they hunted with it or not, just being out there shooting archery, just get them introduced to the to the sport. I mean, yeah, you ain't gotta have a lot of money to get started. Now, later on, it may take all your finances away from you. We've all been there, but. Just, don't tell the wife just, <laughs> just getting kids involved in it and started i mean we both me and will both have coached archer teams we've both been to national shoots and all that and just some of these kids just want to get into it don't have a lot of money they just want to be a part of something and they enjoy it and i mean we loved getting kids involved and and getting them started so and, and that that even goes with i i feel like now it wasn't so much when we were shooting archery so much as uh, competitive but to get somebody to start it into just shooting a bow and get them interested maybe into shooting a bow i can throw a bow fishery together for a hundred bucks it may be a cheap and it may be heavy as all get out old uh PSC or bear or something but it'll shoot fish and you're talking about exciting and to watch a, a young person or a Even woman took older or, people, or or older people yeah and they, they just fall in love with it. They might not hit a fish all night, yeah. but being up there on the front of the boat shooting fish or shooting at fish and uh, doing that, and then it gets them interested. Next thing you know, they're buying a bow to go hunt with, and that, that's 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 an easy way for me to get somebody involved in archery in general just because 
I can set I can set them up for probably a hundred bucks, and and really and truly, I ain't, they ain't got to pay a hundred bucks. They can go with us, and I got we got the extra bowls uh, that they shoot and they enjoy it. And that's why I tell everybody that wants to get into something that, that, that don't you ain't got to go out and spend thousands of dollars. Just go go yeah. find something that you're comfortable, especially archery. Uh, go shoot every bow they make. Fine, we all shoot the same bow, but that's because we all we all kind of anchor the same. We all like the same feel, and that we don't shoot we don't shoot because it's what everybody else shoots that was around us. Uh, but if you were able to go shoot every bow on the market, and, and we we used to have a good bow store out around that had about every bow on the market, other than your head, other than Matthews Hoyt. Them guys, they had every other, other than not having to be a dealer, basically. It was a box yep. store at the time. They're not in business no more. But they, you could shoot about every bow on the market at that, at that one specific location and get a feel for what what do you kind of feel good with. You might not can hit nothing with it right now, but if it feels good to you, we can tone in them skills to where you can hit. Yeah. Yep, yep, you got it. And, you know, it's definitely one of those sports that uh, you, you have to practice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, it's not that you're going to pick up a bow for the first time and shoot something, you know, for the first time. I mean, there's a, that would that, be, be an amazing experience, absolutely amazing, and get anybody hooked day one in, in doing it. But I think one of, the, one of the biggest draws, I think, for hunting myself is the struggles that you have, right? I, I, for the first time in six years last year, got skunked. Went out probably more than I ever did in the last six years and got absolutely nothing. Now, did I have an opportunity? Yeah. Did I have an opportunity at Big Bucks? No, that came, that that never happened. So, you know, I can go out there and shoot a doe. So you learn a lot of different things over time. And and I think the, the best thing that archery has really taught me over the last probably 12 to 20 more four months is patience. And that's something that doesn't come easy to me, is, is sitting there and just enjoying the moment, watching the deer go by, watching their movements, maybe passing on a couple. I was never that guy that passed, right? If it's legal, it was down. And uh, that's something that I've come to come to know, is, is the patient side of it, and come to actually really enjoy, is learning for the right opportunity if you want to be more successful. And, and, you know, that, that's, I think, a subjective word. To me, you know, long, long, and even now, successful means you take a deer when you want to take a deer, right? And when we're, when we're talking about white tail um, but my But my views kind of shift. Now I want to look for more of those big bucks. You know, it's not just about putting meat in the freezer. I want to put meat in the freezer and I want to get a big buck. So it kind of changes the game a little bit. So you learn a lot of good life lessons, I think, through archery. Um, that that sport can teach you more than others can as well. Oh, oh yeah, you, you brought up a good thing about patience. Uh, when I was in college, you know, I, I went to college three and a half hours away from home. Uh, I worked full or I worked full time when I was in school, so I didn't have a lot of time when I was actually at school until I came home to go hunting. And then when you get here, you got that itchy trigger finger, and. Um, and I'm talking about I, I rushed that one year. One year I rushed every shot, and then the next year I said, I, I ain't gonna rush shots. And I, I probably had the best, as far as just killing deer and putting meat in the freezer, I had the best year I ever had. 
Um, yeah. And I got and I didn't spend no more time in the woods. And the biggest thing is I hunted public land the whole time. I was see I had I was seeing deer. I, like I said, I wasn't trying to. You start rushing, and that's one thing you got to learn as a bow hunter or an archery hunter. You you have to have impatience because if you start rushing that shot, uh, you, you're going to start either making bad hits or you're you're going to start missing deer and uh, hitting trees. It, you liable to if you're climbing in a climber or you got a ladder stand with a something or a rail around you, tearing up your blowing bow. limbs off. Yeah, blowing limbs off. I've done it. Uh, so uh, yeah. you, you got you got to be able to pay attention to your surroundings and be be able to have that patience to well uh, that deer and reading that animal and saying hey he, I don't think it's skittish it ain't gonna smell me I think she'll make it to twenty yards which is a much more accurate shot than or more uh, more. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. More accurate or better shot than at 40 yards. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, no, that, that makes a lot. Of, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, that that goes that, that goes kind of my my life lesson that I learned last year is that you know that patience to allow them to come that extra step or to turn that additional 10 degrees, right? Um, mm-hmm. And not rushing it can help you be a better, more successful hunter and carry through into the rest of your life in regards to the patience that you have to have to do that. I, you know, I was always the guy that just pulled the trigger. Um, you know, we'll see what happens type of deal. And, you know, sometimes you win and more often you lose. And, you know, that, that's been a great lesson for me. Um, you know, that archery has really, really brought, you know, out in my, in my life and I carry that forward in my career and my family and all that kind of stuff. Um, because if we're not learning, right, if we're not taking those experiences that we have out in the field and bringing them back with us and we just leave them out there, it, it, you're not really taking the full of the, the full effect of what the sport can get back to you personally. Oh, yeah. And I, like, like you said, you, you take them and learn from them because I, I can I sit here and I can bring it up that I can replay. And I, I do it probably a lot. I know I do because I remember doing it. I, I can replay that whole season in my mind. Like I said, I remember blowing up or blowing up my cam. I didn't blow up my limb, but I blew up my cam on my bow. Hit it if I if I just waited, uh, I probably wouldn't have done that. If if I I made a bad shot on a doe, and all it would have took is her stepping one more step, and she'd have been in a perfectly clear shot. <laughs> uh, but I, I I rushed it. Uh, I put an arrow in a tree a couple times rushing it. <laughs> Uh, and that, that year was just one of them years. And my, my dad, he's part of our wrecking crew, our, our filming group and everything here. He's done the same thing. First year he ever, he went from shooting a uh, Pearson Z, uh, a Pearson Z, I don't remember what it was, a Pearson bow, to he went and bought the the flagship Z7, Z7 Extreme of Matthews. And he lost that first year. That first year, he lost more deer shooting that bow than he had since he was like young, and he making bad hits or just flat out missing. And he kept on. He said he felt like wrapping that bow around a tree, but it was all him, and he knew it was all him. <laughs> but you want to blame it on something else? But he knew that it it was him. He just rushing his shots. And yeah. 
and yeah, that, you definitely get to learn living with regrets, right? So and I'll tell you that, that that's one of the biggest privileges I have with uh, when you talk about you know bowl selection and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's one of the biggest privileges that I think we have here at Bowler Planet is we do get the really have our, our pick, right? We we can shoot. I can shoot a twenty seven hundred dollar bow, or I can shoot a three hundred three hundred dollar you know bow. And my niche is more crossbow. That, that's typically what I shoot just in, in the course of things when it comes to the crew and what we're doing and what we're testing out. Um, but it really doesn't matter. I mean, to me, I've been just as successful with the $2,700 bow as I have been with a $300 bow. It, 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 to your point earlier, it's about feel. It's about balance. It's about how it feels to you that is really more important. Yes. And that is the and that, that's what I feel like a, a lot of guys that are starting out in the outdoor industry, and this is coming from experience, everybody's wanting to buy what they see on TV. What do they see on TV most of the time? Hoyt and Matthews. Hoyt and Matthews, that's the guys. Yep. Running, and, and there's nothing wrong. I, they're, they're too good. They're we, I mean, we can't say bowls. that. We all shoot a Matthews. We all, so. Our whole family shoots a Matthews, everybody but my wife. And, but but we've what, all shot everything yeah. else. I mean, uh, I've shot Hoyt. I've shot... Pearson, I've shot High Country, uh, Diamond, and I, I like a Diamond bow, especially their upper end bows. I really like them. But I've got where I, I, that's the bow I like. That's what I feel comfortable with. And my dad, he shoots what he's shooting right now, and he really don't. He loves the bow except for the grip. He 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 don't like that skinny grip on the newer Matthews. He likes the big bulky grip. The Z seven grip. Yeah. That, that Z that wood grip and but that's what he started out with back in the eighties shooting is that big bulky grip. That's what is comfortable to him. And what I start I shot I started shooting with a diamond with basically nothing but the riser <laughs> and. I like it better now that they went away from the the wood grip. So so it, it's all in preference. It's all and and guy people that's getting into it they they don't and that's what we try to we try to teach people like I, I'd be the first one I'd take a kid to or a, a man or a woman I'll take them to the archery shop and I want them to shoot everything that they that's on the wall uh, and get them used to get them used to do is shooting something. And let let them try something of everything and find out what what feels best to you. Which it may not be what I shoot or what I like, but it's something that is comfortable to you and you're you like it. You gotta yeah, like I it. I couldn't agree more. It is it is definitely you know, that, that, that's our philosophy. You know, when we do our reviews on the different products that that we help bring to market. Um, you know, we can't bash it for the most part. And the reason why is because even though we might not like something about the bow, that's just through our lens, right? Because mm-hmm. we're not speed people, we're more comfort people for the most part. We like a good back bow, we like a good grip, you know, that kind of thing. But there's definitely people out there that aren't looking for that. They're looking for nothing but speed because that's what they want. So that that's what we try to do is honest, you know, honest reviews of, of what these bows are, the technology behind them, and, uh, I mean, exactly to your point, that's why the dealers are so still important within the industry because you want to know what you should be shooting. You, you want to you be a new to hunting and you don't know what to do. Well, you have a great resource, and that great resource isn't necessarily always the Internet. It's going to give you product knowledge, right, in regards to what's out there and what other people are looking at, price points, and that kind of thing. 
But those dealers that you can walk into and you can take three or three, three or four bulls off the shelf, shoot each one of them, talk through the differences, because you don't know what a back wall is, right? When I first started, I didn't know clue what a back wall is until I until I shot a couple different bows and like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense, you know? That, that back wall feels a lot better than this other one. So, you know, those dealers out there, um, you know, they, they've struggled this year. I, I think they're, they're having a, a better year now as we get closer to, uh, to the season. But, uh, you know, through this whole COVID and 2020 time, you kind of feel for them. And, you know, anybody out there, this is my plea to you guys, you and your viewers, is those dealers really do need your support. And not only do they need your support, but they, they can give you the knowledge that you might not have today. You walk in that door, those are the people that live and breathe that stuff. And they really have a passion for help putting you into a bow or into gear, into equipment that's really going to be suited for you. And when we talk about you talking about the dealer, that is one of your best options to go with and have that opportunity. And when we talk about, especially during this time, and and that's what, and like I said, we do shoot Matthews, but I'm for anything that you feel comfortable with. But which about every bow shop around here is going to carry more than what their their flagship bow is on there. So, but what I love about Matthews Bowtech Elite, them guys is them companies make sure that they're not undercutting every dealer they got. Um, especially around here, because that, that's our top three bow, our top three flagship bows. And we got PSE and we've got Diamond and all them, but all the, your buyer can order that from online. And it hurts your if you buy local, if you're in that type of thing and you're wanting people to buy local, it hurts your local guys because, and they can go to any bow shop and buy it or any store, any box store. Yeah, any box store. Yeah, versus if you want to buy a Hoyt Matthews or Leach, you got to find a dealer. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, them dealers are 100 or 50 to 100 miles apart. So, yep. the, it helps them. That, that's a that's a good marketing point on their I guess their end, but it also I'll be honest. That's not if they, you're not dealing in the southeast. If you're not dealing in one of them three bows, you're not a bow a full time archery shop. You might be a full time outdoor store, but your store is not based around archery because you can't make it. Yep, well, <laughs> there's, there's definitely pluses and minuses to the whole way that they have the business structured, and you you hit it right on the head. Is if you don't, if, if you have dealers around you, but you deal with three different brands, well, those are your choices. Now, the fact of the matter is you'll probably some, find something that you like, but could there be something better that, that you like more? Yes, but how far do you have to go to get it? Yeah, and that that's something that people don't realize they don't get in that. So, um, yeah, that that's just getting out there shooting bows and speaking with a dealer, and you you find you somebody that you like. It's hard to beat them. We've got a guy. He don't sell nothing that we shoot, but I, I'd put hands down. I'd put, but he's one of the best. Uh, a lot we can we can do our own work. Having the time to do your own work and the space and the equipment is a little bit different story. But he is the best uh, bow guy. I know, and he, like I said, he, he don't really sell a lot of bows. He owns a convenience store, has a hunting store in the back. He sells a few bows here and there, but his thing is working on bows, and, they, and people come from far and near to do it. But he's yeah, in, I love it. Yeah, and, but 
he what helps him is he's in between two pro shops that, and that's the reason he can't be a dealer in any of your yeah. big names is he's too close to pro shops to do it. So. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But he he's one of the best I know at putting a, working on the bow. He he's he's good for sure. Um, but and that's one thing I kind of. When, when you, if you're in the outdoor industry and you're listening, uh, or if you're in, if you're looking for a bow, and that, talk talk to your buddy that does shoot archery. I promise you, if they if they have a a pro shop or somebody that they trust, go there. And most of the time, like we tell people, go buy a bow and go to Mark. He'll set you up. He'll get you where you need to be. He'll get you tuned yeah. in. He'll get everything what you need. Your arrows. Arrow's done right, and that, and have you ready to go. Don't rush him, <laughs> but go to him. But um, yeah, you ain't gonna get very. It ain't gonna be a whole fast experience, <laughs> but he is good. Yeah, you may be there for a little while. And that's not a plug in for him. That's for anybody. Most of the time, if you go versus a box store, even if I bought my bow at a box store, I'd turn around and go to a pro shop because ninety percent of the time, if you're if you just need them tuned up, they're not going to charge you hardly anything, if anything. And a lot of times, even your pro, even your box stores, you can build as your best pro shops. Yeah, they sell a lot of bows, but most of the time they don't know how to work on them. I mean, if we're just being honest, they don't. I mean, I worked I worked at a pro shop for probably five or six years. I can do everything. I don't have the equipment to do everything like I want to. But them people at Bass Pro Cabela's, they don't know what they're doing when it comes to fine tuning a bow and and everything like that so it is it does help to have the people at the pro shops that know what they're doing that that's what they live and breathe is archery that so. has absolutely been my experience couldn't say any better and i just the other day i had to go get some more arrows and a guy that me and will both used to we used to shoot with down in collinsville a little town right here where we're at shop i used to work at he actually bought a store 20 20 30 minutes away he shoots professionally, IBO. He shoots ASA. His name's Jeremy Jarrett. He just opened a store. I went up there, and, I mean, he's got some of the bigger-name bows. He's got your Elites, your Martin. He had some PSCs on the wall, some Hoyts. And, I mean, he's good. He knows what he's doing. He's been shooting professional for 15 years. So he knows what he's doing. I went up there. We chit-chat. I was up there for uh, three or four hours. My wife wasn't too happy about that. But uh, it's just good to – it was good to catch up with him and – we talked bows for hours, and you know he's wanting me to come up there and start shooting tournaments again with him. So, I mean, it's just good to know those people and have those those contacts inside inside your archer world. And, and if you're one thing or two, if you are getting into this the outdoor, the sport, the, the enjoyment of it, uh, get get in a group of guys that ain't jealous that they might pick on you and you aggravate one another, but not not jealous of what you kill or je- jealous of, je- you don't want to be around that jealous group of hunters all the time. You want, you want to be with some good camaraderie, some people that uh, are going to help you. And mo- most hunters out there want to see, I, I, look, we've been in the deer processing business, taxidermy work for 13 years now. If it's, I'm, I'm just as happy for that guy that brings up a spike as I am for that guy guy that brought up a 180-inch deer. Yep. 
Uh, you just wish you were the guy that had the 180-inch ears on. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You just wish you were him. But I, I, I'm not going to bash the guy that shot the spike. Uh, now, if it's over his limit or his tag limit now, we might that's be That's a different story. Yeah, that's yeah. a different story. But, yeah. uh, like I said, we we had an 80-year-old man. He killed a four-pointer. It's the biggest buck he's ever killed. And it wouldn't. It ain't no four-pointer that's 20 inches wide. It's a four-pointer that's six inches wide. Alabama four-pointer. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, biggest deer he's ever killed in his life. He's been hunting all of his life. And uh, he uh, he had it mounted. And I, I'm just as happy for him. And when I see somebody come up and it's going to shame, why did they kill that? Well, it's because that made them happy. You don't kill to be what you see on TV, you kill for something that you is in your eye. You're the trophies in the eye of the beholder. And, uh, that, that's how we all should be across the industry. That's how we all should be across anything in the outdoors. You got it, man. Legal is legal. And if it makes you happy, I'm all for it. And you know, the, the, the deer hanging on my wall, it's a bad looking deer. But I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of it because that, that was mine. You know what I mean? Like, that, that was the one. I have a story behind it. I know that deer. I watched that deer. I took that deer, and it's hanging on my wall, and it might be a small basket six, but that was my first buck I ever shot, and I absolutely loved it. Yes. And that's like me, the, biggest, the first buck I ever shot with my bow. He's an eight-pointer, about 15 inches wide, and he's on my wall. Now, that's the only one I've had mounted. I've killed some about the same size as him. Now, I'll school mount about everything. Uh, yep. But that that's, I'm proud of him. I'm, I'm disappointed in him. He, he was, he's the biggest thing I ever seen walking through the woods when I was a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> yep. uh, I hadn't been nowhere. My dad was in Kentucky, and I called him. I said, what does the wind need to be for this stand? And he said, uh. I think it's a northeast wind for that stand. We don't hunt that property no more. And I said, well, it's going to be a northeast wind in the morning. I'm going to ride the four-wheeler down the road and, get, and uh, go there. Okay. And my dad ended up killing a doe in Kentucky, and I shut that buck out of his stand. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. That, that, is, that, that holds so true, man. It, it really is about the story behind it. percentage of this this country's population without a doubt or the world's population in general is hunters but we are a big we can be a big family and a big set of friends that like like you said you 
there's people on there that's group friendships and they travel with one another, they hunt with one another, and that's making friends. That's everybody we've talked to on pocket. I'd love to have every one of y'all down and hunt. And I ain't promising you nothing but a doe. I wouldn't promise you a doe because <laughs> of it. Now you come. I, I wouldn't promise you that I could hit it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I just say any, any. But we always say. There's one thing we can say, hey, you can come down and bow fish with us, and I, I'll promise you, I'll put you on a fish. I can't yeah. promise. I might see a thousand fish tonight before you get down, but I, I'd put you on a fish. But uh, uh, I'll tell you what, bull fishing brings up some really good memories in my mind. We uh, Back when we first started, so we've been around for 11 years, and, and about 11 years ago when we first started doing this, one of the first things, first events that we were involved with was the uh, Midwest Bow Fishing Tournament up here in Michigan, which is one of the biggest um over uh on the on the yeah man it, it was one of those shotgun launches you know everybody gets together for the morning uh they do a shotgun launch and then it's just off to the races trying to find the fish get as many pounds as you can the awards for everything and it was such a fun time and and that day right there is really what started the passion in bow hunting and it's kind of interesting because it wasn't even deer hunting right it was picking up a bow and it was shooting fish just like you were saying earlier there's so many different things um that you can get a passion for in archery and uh man that what a great experience yeah and that's that's one thing i out we were sitting there we were just talking earlier had a buddy and uh i i applaud anybody that fishes any type of tournaments and there and but we fish both tournaments some and anybody that fishes or hunts or whatever they want to do that they're outside as long as they're paying into some type of conservation i applaud you and i, yeah. I hope you continue to do it but bow fishing that that was talking about how competitive a bass tournament is and, and i've fished several bow fishing tournaments and that it's competitive but i don't worry about whether or not i'm going to win because I was going to be out here fishing anyway. tonight anyways, and I was going to spend yeah. about the same amount of money <laughs> anyways. <laughs> and I was like, we're just getting together to weigh in fish at the end of the night and throwing a couple dollars in a pot and see if somebody can take on their gas money at the end of the night. That's all we're doing. That's all it is. And uh, that's, that's one thing. That community, the outdoor community, and like the bow fishing community, we got together this year with Muzzy. Or uh, Faradine Outdoors, or Muzzy, really, is the one that held it, uh, hosted it under Faradine. But uh, we hosted the boat fishing with the blue. Uh, and that was, for us, we had, it was awesome. It was awesome, but we wish we had more show up. We had too many boats for the officers to come out and fish. We, we didn't have enough officers to fill the boats. Uh, so, so that was something that we all got together and we all kind of, and we're just not all the exact same. We're different, but we're like-minded of what we believe in and what we, um, want to do. And we got together, took off some police officers and that out to fish with us, uh, brought them back. We fed them, uh, fed all the captains of the boats and it, it was a, it was a good turnout and to see the outdoor community come together and do that for some something that really and truly needs our support right now uh was pretty amazing yeah and, and some of the pro i mean some of, some of the new products coming out you know especially with muzzy we were talking to faradine last week and uh 
you know, that bow fishing lever bow that they have that is uh, basically an Oneida style type of bow. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. It was, it was great to see because that story I was telling you about 11 years ago, we were fishing with Oneida. That, that's what we were doing. So to, so to see them come out with an Oneida style, you know, bow fishing bow again is just absolutely, it was, it was awesome to see them do that. Well, that, that's what our guys, majority of our tournament guys, they're going to be fishing with Oneida or they're going to be fishing with like a Barnett uh, compound boat, something that's lightweight pull. Uh, yep. Now, when you're starting out, that's what I uh, sat here and told you, I could set you up. I started out bow fishing with a whole like PSE, Bear, or I don't remember what it was. Uh, cost me 25 bucks. I bought it for, it was a trade-in at a, at a bow shop. Weighed about 30 pounds. It weighed about 30 <laughs> pounds. That's the old and I shot a bunch of fish with it, but I hated it because my my shoulder was sore at night just from holding the darn thing. Uh, and, and you talking about that lever action? I was excited to see that, due to the fact that it oh oh nada is not a cheap bow. Let <laughs> right, that, that let off you could hold for hours. Yes, and that that oh nada way I look at it. And I like a Oneida without a doubt. I've shot them, but for me to sit here and drop a grand on a bow that's going to be thrown in the bottom of my boat at the end of the day, that was that, that was always hard for me to do. And then Muzzy comes out, and there's a place for that, no doubt. Yep. If if I'm Got shooting it. tournaments all the time, I want Oneida. The Muzzy's not the same as the Oneida, but that that Muzzy's close. And to be able to break into that lever action style bow, which is for bow fishing, that is the best there is. It's small, compact still. It, it ain't a recurve. A recurve's nice, but it, you're going to knock somebody out on the boat with it. And or, what you pull on a recurve is what you hold. That lever yeah. bow is a whole different ball game. And we, we're, we're able to break into that at that $399 or $499 when it's decked out with the muzzy skier is. Uh, that's nice, and that, that gives the people that may, they may not be as serious about fishermen as some that are shooting the Oneidas or the G-Nats or um, anything else that's out there on the market, but it's a lever action bow that, hey, I'm a weekend warrior, and I'm still going to be able to shoot this, and it's, uh, it's a little bit better than what I had, and I like it a little bit better than what I had. Yep, you got it. And you know, that, that's, that's one thing I'll never do is judge somebody by what they shoot. You know, I, I get the short end of the stick most often because I shoot crossbow. And, you know, you got those guys that just don't like crossbows still. So, you know, we, we have that conversation internally and externally quite often around around that. So I'm, I'm never one of those guys that's going to knock what you're shooting. If you're out there and you're having fun, that's what it's all about. I had that coming to a crossbow story. Well, none of us has ever shot a crossbow until last year. And um, my mother, she's getting where she can't see as well. And uh, she started shooting a crossbow because it's got a scope on it, of course. And that, and uh, I had a young kid. He kept telling him, I said, man, I said, I'm not knocking you as a gun hunter. I said, I'm not saying that. And I said, but I said, I, pr I said, it's come, this is coming for, this is a Fred Bear quote. I said, if you'll learn more in a week of archery hunting than you will a lifetime in gun hunting. I said, whether it's a crossbow or not, I said, you can't think of that crossbow as a gun. There's less movement, but you still got to have that deer in close range. And yeah, no, the hunt's the same. Yeah. yeah I said, the only difference is... I'm not reaching out 100 
yards. I'm not reaching out 60 yards. No, all things different to you. Yeah, but but do I want to take that kind of chance on that kind of ethical shot? Not really. No, and that's what I thought. I said, the only thing different is, is you ain't pulling it back when you see the deer. Yeah. Uh, I was like, so th- there's still that play, and and he uh, he ended up, he went and bought him a crossbow, and I, I was happy to see it. I, I, I told him, I said, well, you, he's one of my students. I said, you need to come up. I said, well, come up to our shop. I said, well, we'll get you sighted in, get you ready to go, and let you and uh, <coughs> uh, enjoy it and have a, have a good time at uh, learning the, the archery hunting, because I said, it, there, there's no bigger passion for us. Uh, there's no, I enjoy it. I enjoy shooting. I, I enjoy just archery hunting in general just, and seeing new people get into it. Absolutely. And we, we, when we were talking earlier about this, if you live in the suburbs, um, uh, different towns have different zoning issues. Our local town here that's right down the road, if you don't live inside the city limits, you're inside the city limits. You can shoot a shotgun, but you can't shot a muzzleloader, which makes no sense at all. Uh, but especially now that Savage just came out with that new shotgun or slug gun, they shoot the same distance, but it's whatever your law states. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, we have something similar in Michigan where we have a shotgun, shotgun zone, which is basically the lower half of the lower peninsula. And uh, it came out, I don't want to say the exact year, but a couple years ago, that they um, are now allowing 450 Bushmasters to be shot in the shotgun zone. So that changed the game for a lot of people. Yeah, but they And uh, quite honestly, it changed the game for me because I never really thought about gun. We're, we're both on our planet, right? So for us to shoot gun, it's kind of sacrilegious. But, um, you know, this, this year is actually going to be our first year where we're going to actually hunt through uh, archery season all the way into gun season. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's the new technologies, new laws, and really it's, it's about your leadership and your state listening to the hunters. And I think that's one of the biggest struggles that we have in the state of Michigan personally is, you know, having the right leadership and to make the right decisions for the hunting community. Because I, I don't think they, it might be different in Alabama. I think up here it, it, it's a lot of politics as opposed to a lot, a lot more of, just an enjoyment of the outdoors and the regulators trying to promote hunting, promote that type of sport, it becomes a lot more politicized nowadays. And, and down here, it has became a lot more uh, political uh, over the past few years. It's became a lot. Our guys are wanting to promote hunting. I, I ain't going to say they're not wanting to do that. Uh, but they do, they do put limitations on things. That they're putting it and some of the things that they do makes, in my, my I, I'm a conservationist at heart. Some of the things they do, I, I totally agree with. Uh, but then some of the things that they do, I scratch my head and I'm like, why didn't we go this route where we've been talking? It's been in the talk for the past 10 years. <laughs> but you're going a totally opposite route than what you went. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's kind of funny. It's like you have we, up in Michigan, you have one political affiliation in power and the baiting rules all change. And then another one comes in and the baiting rules all change again. And, you know, it, it just we're sitting back here going, well, we haven't changed. You know, the hunting community hasn't changed. So to be affected by that kind of stuff is, you know, it, it takes you down a little bit. But, it, you know, you got to learn to adapt. And, and that's one thing. 
last year. Uh, the past six years, we've been able to feed supplemental feed deer without, but you had to be a hundred yards and out of sight. Um, so, but you couldn't hunt over it. Basically, is what they're saying. It, it couldn't be where they walk over. And they can you can't shoot the deer with them eating off of it. So. It couldn't be a feeder behind a tree and <laughs> you're shooting it uh, when it sticks its head down behind that tree. Now, you couldn't shoot a deer off of it, okay? Last year, we actually went to a bait and privilege permit. You pay $15 a year, and uh, that gives you privilege to bait hogs and deer. You could do and shoot them off of it. It can be under your stand, whatever you want to do. And that, that was a big... In my opinion, a big move in the forward direction. Uh, some people have different views on baiting. I, we live in the mountains. We live in the uh, foothills of the Appalachian. We got a lot of rock. You got small tracks. We got a bunch of cattle farms. Well, you can't plant green fields in cattle farms and yeah. expect the cows to stay out of them. You can't. It's hard to plant a green field in rock. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, or on the side of the mountain. Uh, and I applaud you. We plant green fields still. But I applaud you if you have the land and the resources to plant them green fields. But that guy with a five-acre track of timber off the side of a cow pasture, he's going to spend whatever it costs to put that, that green field or food plot in for it to be eight for cows versus pouring them, putting up a $150 feeder and filling it up, keeping deer fed on his property. Uh-huh. And it get, it just it, it levels that playing field, and that's our opinion, and uh, that well, it's my opinion talking for myself here, but uh, my brother. No, I, I I don't disagree with that. You know, <coughs> I think for me, you know, just personally, my point of view is is really thinking about the kids too, and you know, when you're talking about getting kids into hunting and you know, getting them a passion for it to have those types of tools of, of baiting. I, I think yes. can really help bring the sport to another level and attract hunters into it. Is it easier? Yeah, sure. But when we're talking about like up in Michigan, they, they have a dedicated weekend to youth. So let, let's compromise a little bit and, and say, okay, it's it's fine for youth to bait. You know, mm -hmm. for, you to, for you to bait for a youth weekend type of thing. And then we can have a, a broader conversation about other hunters and that kind of thing. But you know, up in Michigan, we were pretty bitter because they just ripped it all away, you know, in a second. And you have to rethink your whole, your whole hunting property. You have to rethink where your stands are. You have to rethink everything. And that's that's kind of our whole big thing was I was like, before me and my wife got together, she'd never hunted before. And I, and, and, and we put some time, we put for her, she put some time into the stand for three years. Uh, she had missed a deer. She made a bad shot on it. And then the baiting privilege comes around. She finally seals the deal last year. And, yep. and it, it made it all worthwhile. Yeah, I'm glad that she had to put that time in, that she figured out that it ain't just going out there sitting and killing an animal. And it ain't that over bait either. And that's what people, them deer are not going to, yeah, they get a little pattern, especially late season. But when you get a, you've got a mass crop of acorns on the ground, I promise you they're going to choose that over a pile of corn. Oh. <laughs> unless, unless your corn's in your mass crops. One hundred percent. I'd rather eat acorns. You know? Yeah, and but you still have that. It 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 makes it a little bit more. Hey, 
I've got a little bit more of a chance, especially on a small track property, I got a little bit more chance for this this woman, this uh or this kid or this new hunter in general. Yeah. That they ain't gotta put in hundreds and hundreds of hours to because by that time they're gonna get burnt out. And my I could tell it in my wife. She was getting burnt out and I said, Babe, let's go uh Let's, let's go, and she took the crossbow, and I said, let's go sit over here. It wasn't cold, and, I, and, and she, she ended up selling a deal, and she was tickled to death. But, and like I said, it, it's each their own. Even with the bait and privilege, you ain't got to do it if you don't think it's right. Yep. Uh, that, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <coughs> yeah. Legal is legal. You know, we don't do it here now because we can't, would we? We would think about it, but we, we also enjoy the challenge. So mm-hmm. it, it's to that point, to each his own. And, and uh, every spot we got don't have corn on it. Every spot we got don't have bait on it. Uh, yeah. We still hunt public land, and it is illegal still on public land to, to do anything. You Technically, I don't even think in Alabama you're supposed to uh, put a camp game camera out. Um, people do. You want to put a cheap one out because you're more likely it's going to get stowed. <laughs> but uh, yeah. people do it. And uh, that's it's that, but like, like well, kind of like the the Pope and Young, and that's went to this where you can't kill with a cell camera. I, and and I, I can see it, I guess, if you getting the the live footage of what's in there right then, kind of deals. Uh, we don't have good enough cell phone service in our area to have live footage of anything, uh, and that. But you know exactly what's there all the time. I think it does help to not put pressure in on your animals. And yeah. That, but I'll tell you that that's you know outside of not being able to bait, the, those cell phone cams have really changed the game a little bit for us. You know they they are legal here, and we do use them. And uh, you know before it was you 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 don't know what what's there. You don't know what you're shooting. You don't know what your target deer is. Until you go out there and check that trail cam, maybe the day before your hunt. And now, like while we're talking on the phone, we we, we hooked up with uh, Tacticam uh, reveal cams this year. I got probably three or four text messages from the or, or mess notifications from the cameras that we have out there. Deer running around the property as we speak. So you know you're able to pattern them a little bit better, which definitely helps when you're not hunting over bait. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh... We enjoyed the talk, man, and uh, I think our supper's done. (laughs) We're getting summoned here, so uh, I enjoyed talking with you, man. Y'all got our number. If y'all ever want to get together, we might even meet halfway. If y'all want to get together and shoot some fish or uh, hunt or something, holler at us. We're up for a road trip anytime for sure. Well, I appreciate that, and we'll be in touch for sure, man. It's great talking to you guys and good people here. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. See you. All right, guys. That's the end of this week's episode. That was Tim from uh, Bowhunter Planet. Uh, y'all check them out on Facebook, Instagram. They've got a YouTube channel. Become part of the team if you want to, guys. Good guy, good group of people. And y'all remember to check out Three Rivers Coffee. We mentioned them at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, They're sponsoring this episode. Great group of guys. Great coffee. We've tried three different blends that they've got. We're impressed. Yes. 
Uh, also, don't forget to check out the uh, podcast from a couple weeks back. Cirrus Outdoors, give them some love, some like. Go buy some product with the uh, promotional code WC Outdoors. Get you 10% off. Um, hope y'all enjoy it and continue to listen. See y'all in a week.